0: All right. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Alter Your Health podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ben. And today we are talking about. Oh, oh, oh. People with type 2 diabetes are excited about the potential of once weekly Ozempic. In a study with Ozempic, a majority of adults lowered their blood sugar and reached an A. Oh, oh. <laughs> Oops. We're talking about Ozempic. We're talking about semaglutide. Uh, there was a little little clip from a commercial. Hopefully, you were able to hear it. Um, and as always, these uh, pharmaceutical commercials are pretty exciting. Paint a pretty rosy picture of what's going on. And uh, I'm not going to, you know, of course, shoot down every single product that has been developed. I have uh, had my life saved by pharmaceutical medications and interventions. Of course, maybe you've heard some of those stories. And maybe you've had your life saved. Um, That's not what today is about, Uh, you know, bashing the pharmaceutical companies and the drugs that they create and push. Uh, However, this episode is about really getting the facts straight about what this compound is. Again, I'm talking about semaglutide, uh, which is a GLP-1 agonist, a glucagon-like peptide, uh, which is a hormone in the body. We're going to be talking more about exactly what that is. And what it does, and uh, what it doesn't do, and also some of the effects, and therefore side effects or adverse effects that can result from taking this exogenous hormone to shift our uh, uh, metabolism and digestive system and physiology as a whole. Uh, so we're going to be talk we're going to be unpacking a lot in today's episode and let's get right into it. Okay, so what is this Ozempic uh semaglutide? What what is this medicine that we're talking about? What is this drug? Um here are a few different brand names of semaglutide. You see Ozempic, which is definitely the the most common one, uh Wegovy, Wegovy, and then Rybelsus. Where the heck do they come up with the names for the brand names or, you know, generic names for that matter for these compounds? Jeez. Well, I guess Ozempic maybe has a good ring to it. Oh, 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 Ozempic. (laughs) Um, but anyways, uh, these are all the same thing as you see in different dosages. And people are raving about this new drug for weight loss. And at least I've, I've heard some some raving reviews about it. I guess there was a, a, a theory or an idea that Elon Musk was taken a a semiglutide or some Ozempic type product that supported him in releasing, releasing weight. Um, so first and foremost, I'm not discounting the fact that this, that weight loss is possible with drugs, (laughs) weight loss is definitely possible with drugs. But the question is the question we should be asking is at what expense uh, because I always like to point out and put things in per t- into perspective that, um, you know, smoking meth and doing cocaine are also good ways of releasing weight. But do they also create health? I mean, we know that obesity is a risk factor for cardiovascular disease, for, you know, uh, heart attacks and for diabetes and for strokes and for cancers of various sorts. And we have found out over the course of the last Didn't take us long to find out that obesity was a major risk factor for, uh, you know, uh, severe effects from, you know, viral infections, so-called viral infections from like coronavirus and that sort of thing. So obesity is definitely a, a health issue and reducing obesity is definitely a goal. But again, at what expense? There's lots of ways to reduce obesity that don't increase health. So we're always coming at the coming at things from the perspective of really not focusing on weight, even though we have our program eat more, weigh less, which supports people in eating more and releasing weight to weigh less. Uh, we really don't focus on weight that much. Like that's not our primary focus. That might be your focus. That's not our focus. However, that's a natural side effect from increasing health. So. As you can probably assume the Ozempic, the Wigovi, the Ribelsis, these compounds that are again, the same thing, the semaglutide compound, uh, they don't increase health. They actually put our body out of balance. So here's exactly what these products are doing in our body, or at least the the main effects of, again, GLP-1, glucagon-like peptide 1, which is a hormone, a naturally occurring hormone circulating in our body. But just like, you know, testosterone and estrogen and cortisol and uh, adrenaline are all naturally occurring hormones, that doesn't mean that we want to shove more and more into our system and cause uh, imbalances and, you know, disbalances. Mm-hmm. in again, our hormonal endocrine system as well as the digestive system and so forth. But you see here GLP-1 glucagon-like peptide It is released from our intestines primarily um, and when we eat and as it's released, it goes to the pancreas to increase beta cell proliferation, decrease beta cell apoptosis, which essentially creates more, more beta cells thereby increasing insulin resist, re- release and decreasing glucagon release. So insulin and glucagon are two hormones. Maybe you've heard of for sure. You've heard of insulin and glucagon just acts inversely to insulin. So we're increasing insulin release, which is helping us put our sugar or take the sugar out of our blood and ideally into our cells to create energy. That's what sugar is for. after we eat, um, you see here, another, uh, Gosh, I wish this was a little bit bigger on my screen. Uh, but the 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 and then that that causes okay, now I can see that causes uh, decreased hepatic glucose production um, because if we have um, yeah decreased hepatic glucose production in the liver, so that's one of the effects, kind of the downstream effects of GLP one. Uh, you see, GLP1 is also in our intestines and specifically in the stomach, actually. I don't know why there's a picture of the intestines, but it's decreasing gastric emptying. Gastric is, of course, the stomach. So it's actually causing us to, therefore, feel full. Um, decreased gastric empt- emptying sounds just like it is. It, it's decreasing the rate at which our stomach is functioning. <laughs> you know, digestive issues are a big deal. Gut health is a big deal. And if we're decreasing digestive function, essentially, this could be a big deal in terms of exacerbating digestive issues. If there are pre-existing digestive issues or creating kind of sluggishness of digestive processes, which as you might guess, at least this is where my brain goes, you know, throwing off all the intricate processes that are taking place within our microbiome and lower intestines, we know how important gut function and gut health is. So decreasing gastric emptying, as we'll see when we look at the so-called side effects, not necessarily a good thing for our overall health. And this is where the GLP-1 compound really shines, if you will. <laughs> and I say that as if I'm speaking as a sales rep for this drug. Um, GLP-1 is used... For weight loss to decrease appetite, it is an appetite suppressant. So all of these functions that GLP one do, one of them is going to our brain and decreasing appetite, which you see here, there's a little arrow because there's this whole idea that well, if we decrease appetite, that means we're eating less. And if we're eating less, that means we're decreasing adiposity or decreasing fat in our body. So that's the whole goal. That's the whole goal of this miraculous weight loss drug is to decrease appetite to eat less. So that's how it's working. It's just helping people feel more comfortable with eating less. So I've got a lot of questions primarily due to the fact that like the fact that food is, Life, our body needs food. So of course this, this, the, the, the effects of GLP one is, are not going to cause people to starve necessarily, not going to cause people to not eat to the extent that they just wither away, but for sure, decreased appetite, decreased eating means that we're going to decrease our consumption of food. And I don't know, maybe develop nutritional deficiencies. Is that uh, at all a risk? Probably so. All right. Because not only is food required to create energy and give us, you know, you know, regenerate our tissues and create the the energy required for self-healing and balancing and physiologic function, but also food is the way in which we get vitamins and minerals that, you know, allow our body to balance itself enzymatically and biochemically hormonally and all these different pathways that require uh, an abundance of nutrients, we need nutrition. So if we're just going to focus on appetite suppressant, again, this might be a good short-term kind of fix for people who are have a ravenous appetite and are just overeating. However, as we always like to say, and we'll get to it, there's no problem when it com- when it comes to overeating good, healthy food. Overeating good, healthy food is is not pathologic or problematic for our for our physiology, our body, and not going to create disease. Um, so this is GLP1, this is semaglutide, which is a GLP1 agonist, which functions just like GLP1 to promote these pathways in the body. Um, so GLP one or th- these drugs, these medications have been approved a lot of, again, a lot of people are like, Oh, this new weight loss drug. Well, they have been approved for, I think like, you know, six or seven years, I believe since 2017, uh, Ozempic was approved for the treatment of diabetes. And by the way, in that commercial that I was sharing with you, um, Oh, 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 Ozempic, <laughs> it goes on to say, uh, this should not be your first line treatment for Type 2 diabetes, you know, um, because there are a lot of risks with this drug. However, Ozempic is approved for the treatment of type 2 diabetes. It has been approved since 2017. Um, and the, the, when people are, you know, the, it's getting hyped up because the, other, the uh, ozempic and, or I should say semaglutide and these other higher doses of semaglutide have been approved for the treatment of obesity. So you can get these drugs, even if you don't have type two diabetes, you can get this semaglutide to treat obesity. And we know the intricate connection between type two diabetes and obesity so Mo let's see most people who have type two diabetes, I don't know what the percentage is 90 plus Mm -hmm. percent probably are also clinically obese, meaning like a a BMI higher of higher than 30 or whatever. Um, but, but anyway, not everyone who is, who's obese has type two diabetes yet. (laughs) You know, most people are moving in that direction because most people who are obese do have some degree of insulin resistance due to an inefficient, unhealthy metabolism, which, by the way, is not a semaglutide or GLP one deficiency. Uh, insulin resistance is due to the uh, excess accumulation of fat within our body, within our cells that de- that interferes with proper, normal insulin signaling pathways. So, the way to reverse insulin resistance. Uh is not by taking GLP1. In fact, taking GLP1, taking semiglutide does nothing, nothing, zero. It doesn't in any way affect insulin resistance. Um, taking GLP1 just affects, you know, our intake of food. Insulin resistance is still there. So when we do eat food, we are still insulin resistant. The only way to reverse insulin resistance is to stop eating so much fat in the form of oil, fried food processed foods, animal products, donuts, cookies, cupcakes, these sorts of things, which by the way, you know, I always get fired up when I'm talking about macronutrients and fats and carbs. Um, The fact is that a lot of people talk about these uh, talk about carbs, like cookies and donuts and cupcakes and stuff. And they say, Oh, yeah, you know, I don't eat carbs. Well, the fact is that most of these carbs are actually mostly fat. And the not you know, it's like, yes, 50, 60 percent fat, 40, 50 percent carbohydrates, which is, by the way, like the perfect combination to create insulin resistance, especially when we're talking about processed refined fats, processed refined carbohydrates, no nutrition, just bunch of junk. <laughs> perfect scenario for creating insulin resistance. Also, when people are talking about like spaghetti, you know, most people are not eating spaghetti or pasta with loaded up with vegetables. Uh, Most people are eating spaghetti or pasta with oil and sausage and cheese. Again, this carb is actually like when we're looking at the meal, it's mostly fat. And then you've got like the olive oil on the bread and the wine. And and, and it's like, no, it's not the pasta's fault. Like, yes, there are carbohydrates that are maybe preferential to consume over pasta, like, you know, whole intact whole grains, like a bowl of brown rice versus versus like, you know, conventional hyper-processed spaghetti noodles. Um, But the fact is that it's not the spaghetti's fault. It's the oil, the butter, the cheese, the meat sauce, all that junk that interferes with the proper and efficient metabolism of those carbohydrates. that spaghetti so anyways the answer for reversing insulin resistance reversing the underlying cause of type 2 diabetes and also an underlying cause of obesity insulin resistance that's really the important topic has nothing to do with glp1 glp1 does not reverse or affect insulin resistance in any way Uh, it increases insulin secretion because insulin isn't working. So it's wanting insulin to work by just shoving more insulin out there. But the insulin that it shoves out there, it's like at some point insulin starts working, but we want to create more insulin sensitivity. It's not helping us. It's not helping us. So these are the primary effects of GLP one agonists like semaglutide we see here, but There are so many, so many side effects, as is the case with pretty much all pharmaceutical drugs or medications. So I'm not entirely throwing semiglutide under the bus here. I'm throwing them all under the bus equally because, again, a lot of these primary effects are are like celebrated like, oh my gosh, it's an appetite suppressant. Wow, cool. (laughs) Well, it also is commonly um, uh, associated with Anxiety, bloating, blurred vision, chills, cold sweat, confusion, constipation. A lot of these make sense, especially constipation. We decrease gastric emptying. We're essentially shutting down uh, digestive function. Yeah, it makes sense. Cool, pale skin. That's probably because you're not eating. (laughs) Cough, darkened urine maybe due to not eating and drinking dehydration uh, depression diarrhea again due to you know microbiome and digestive imbalance difficulty swallowing the list goes on dizziness maybe because you're not eating <laughs> Fast heartbeat, maybe because you're not eating. Uh, fever, headache, maybe because you're not eating. Increased hunger, maybe because you're not eating. <laughs> Indigestion, maybe because you have decreased gastric emptying and everything. nothing's wanting to go down. Large hive-like swelling on the face, eyelids, lips, tongue. So that doesn't sound good. Loss of appetite, no, That's that's what you want. <laughs> that's what some people want. Nausea, nervousness, nightmares, pain in the stomach maybe because there's all sorts of things that are getting shut down. Seizures, skin rash, slurred speech, tightness in the chest, trouble breathing, unusual tiredness or weakness, maybe because you're not eating, vomiting, yellow eyes or skin. So those are, the, I guess, the serious ones. And these are less common and less serious. Acid or sour stomach. That's because we're decreasing gastric emptying, which is naturally going to increase the risk for gastro gastroesophageal reflux or GERD, um, which is an epidemic in and of itself, you know, so not helping the digestive function, which again, gut health is so important. Belching, that makes sense. Excess air or gas in the stomach, that makes sense. Feeling pressure in the stomach, that makes sense. We're shutting down the stomach. This all makes sense. Heartburn, that makes sense. Passing gas. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Stomach discomfort, swelling, tenderness, or upset. And by the way, I'm sorry that I'm kind of making light and kind of laughing at this stuff because I realize that a lot of people see the commercial and they get excited and they jump on this drug, or maybe they go to the doctor and the doctor's all excited about the new approval of this weight loss drug. And they're like, oh yeah, take this, take this. And people just take it because they aren't really informed or asking questions about how to actually create more health. I know there's so many people in the world that do want to actually become healthy, but no one's really on their side in terms of any sort of media coverage or news story or farm like doctor, like no one's actually on their side to help them create health. So they're kind of on their own when it comes to creating more health, which is sad but true. And the fact is, and hopefully this is coming through and coming across as a little bit of a pep talk, <laughs> the fact is that the doctor is not the source of health. There is no doctor that can create more health within you. This is an inside job. It only comes from taking responsibility and taking action. And by the way, on the topic of weight release, somehow we have become somewhat of, uh, uh, something of experts in this topic, because we really are focused on metabolic health and increasing metabolic health again, has a side effect of increasing natural healthy weight release. And the fact is that there's so much a a narrative talk around this calorie, uh, carbohydrate, macronutrient conversation. It's all about just appetite and exercise and diet and exercise and regulating calorie and energy. And it gets exhausting. It gets really exhausting. But the the good news is if you've made it this far in this uh, podcast episode, the good you've made it to the good news. The good news is that you can naturally release weights actually by not decreasing your appetite, but increasing your appetite and increasing your consumption of healthy foods, healthy whole foods. We don't have to moderate or restrict or count or measure in any way the consumption of healthy whole foods. So of course I'm talking about eating a whole food diet that is plant-based based because our animal products are sources of fats and proteins, not sources of carbohydrates that turn on an efficient metabolism. The animal products are also sources of, uh, you know, um, toxicity that have been bioaccumulated in the environment and food chain. We don't want to put that toxicity into our bodies. We want to eat low on the food chain, eat nutrient dense, eat carbohydrate rich. And as we do so, we naturally turn on healthy metabolic pathways, and we naturally regulate our hunger and satiety hormones. We naturally create healthy levels, healthy, normal levels of GLP one and other compounds in our body Mm -hmm. that balance and regulate everything that's going on in our body. We don't need any sort of external exogenous things to micromanage our internal physiologic functions. We can manage that ourselves by simply aligning with the principles of nature and optimizing our nutritional status. Um, so yeah, when I, when I hear people talk about these kind of, um, you know, exciting new drugs, trust me, I, I think that for sure, There's a time and place that maybe, maybe someone's like really in a difficult place and they just need, they're they're just like totally compulsive with their, with their food and they just need to like pump the brakes and maybe, you know, a few injections of this, of this drug can be an answer to kind of just slow things down so that we can readjust and recalibrate and orient in the direction of health. However, however, it's simply not sustainable. It's not eating, decreasing consumption of food, decreasing appetite, and restricting consumption of food, restricting nutrition. By nature, it's not sustainable. Human beings were designed to live and eat and fuel ourselves with food. Of course, I imagine... That maybe up the sleeve of the pharmaceutical companies, they're like, okay, well, everyone's going to be taking this Ozempic thing. They're not going to be eating. So we can package this synthetic multivitamin thing to just give them their nutrition. Um, so that because we, we recognize we're probably going to be creating a whole world of nutritional deficiencies. And, you know, maybe we can also give this, uh, give this compound that stimulates digestive function along with it, because we recognize that this GLP-1 agonist shuts down digestive function and we don't, we don't really, you know, want to exacerbate any digestive issues. (laughs) You know, so, so you can see how this, uh, you know, things quickly pile on and we start treating all sorts of conditions when we can just eat real food. We can just eat real food to our heart's content, by the way, and have nothing but positive, beneficial, quote unquote, side effects. So I guess I'm feeling a little bit ranty today. Um, and I would say I'm sorry, but I'm not. Um, because this is um, this is what I'm passionate about. And I think that this information is important. So let me know what you think. Let me know uh, if you're on the GLP one agonist bandwagon, if you're excited to take some what, by the way, th- I didn't even mention these drugs that we're talking about here, the their injections, their injections weekly, you see Ozempic, they're, they're different dosages. So I, my again, my understanding is that we, we Go-V is a higher dose, which is more effective for the appetite suppressant pathways of GLP-1 as we see here. Um, but these are weekly injections. And I guess ribelsis is an oral tablet, which requires even higher dose and probably not as effective. It, does, it hasn't gotten a lot of hype. It's, it's all about these injections. And um, maybe you've already heard how expensive they are. <laughs> they are $1,200 on average a month. So that's four injections a month. So $300 to put a shot of of GLP-1 in your subcutaneous tissue to suppress your appetite. I think that there are better ways to spend $1,200 a month than to suppress your appetite with some synthetic compound made in a laboratory that is making pharmaceutical companies into even more multi-billion billionaires than they already are. Um, So yeah, take your health into your own hands. Take your health into your own hands and don't worry about suppressing your appetite. If you're hungry, here's a word to the wise, okay? If you're hungry, if you have an appetite and you're feeling hungry, eat. And don't eat processed, refined food that doesn't nourish you because hunger is your body calling out for nourishment. So nourish it, and the things that nourish it are carbohydrates, proteins, fats, vitamins, minerals, and phytonutrients in the context of a perfectly packaged whole food. An apple, a banana, or 10 apples, or 10 bananas. Like, just eat. Your body and your appetite self-regulate when we are eating whole, real foods. I always say how it is impossible to overeat whole foods. We simply fill up, we distend, we have uh, mechanical stretch receptors in our digestive tract that signal to our brain that our stomach is full. If you think about it, like when people are eating c- cookies and cupcakes that are, you know, hyper-processed and, and, you know, so depleted in nutrients mm-hmm. that, that, that signal is not making its way to our brain. Uh, in addition, the signal of dopamine, the hyper palatability of the hyper processed foods causes our dopamine receptors to want more dopamine. And it's like, we got to get that fix. So we've got to cleanse and reset the relationship with food. And we got to just focus on indulging to our heart's content on real whole foods. So <laughs> I don't know if this is going to get through with the skulls of uh, you, a lot some thick headed people out there, but hopefully it's making it into uh, the the right minds and consciousnesses uh, to receive this message. And uh, again, let me know where you're at with these new drugs um if uh, if you're listening to this i probably can assume where you're at and if there is anyone in your life that is uh, you know still not getting it and still needs a little pep talk in terms of how to nourish themselves for good maybe you can share this episode with them thanks again for your participation and your health taking responsibility um being the healthy light in, on this planet that we need and uh, I look forward to blabbering about something else next week. But I just felt like it was, it was past due to uh, address this topic of our semiglutide GLP-1 agonist drugs that are not the miracle drug that they are touted to be. So thanks again and look forward to catching you next time. Peace and love.